chapter 12. The purification of a woman after childbirth. Okay, a woman after giving birth becomes unclean. So now we're moving to a more serious state of uncleanliness. Because touching an animal did not make you unclean, a woman giving birth to a baby does make her unclean, and she has to bathe herself richly for a certain amount of days, and she's not allowed in the tabernacle. Let me make it very clear. We're going into a section now of childbirth, skin diseases, and discharges. You're all unclean because of that. It's not, are some dead bodies the result of sin? Yes. Are some skin diseases or regular diseases the result of sin? Yes. Is some discharges that your body produces the result of sin? Yes. But is it an absolute guarantee that if you have those things that you've sinned? No. And are you a sinner for having a discharge or having a menstrual period? No. So you understand that, remember, there are four ways that you can become unclean. Sin, which is because of sin. And then the three other ways are skin diseases, touching a dead body, and discharges. But those are not because you sinned and now you have that, or that you're a sinner for having that. It's you're having those things because there is sin in the world. I would have never had skin diseases if it hadn't been for the fall. It's not I have a skin disease because I've sinned and I'm being punished. But I would have never had a skin disease if it hadn't been for the fall and the whole world falling apart. So in that sense, they still make you unclean, not because you sin, but because the world is broken because of sin. Does that make sense? And so that's the same thing with a woman giving birth to children. God's original design was that a woman would have kids. You cannot consider this a sin when before the fall, God says, be fruitful, multiply. And after the fall, God says, be fruitful, multiply. So her having a child does not make her a sinner, therefore unclean. Most likely, what makes her unclean is the discharge that is left over after the birth. Because there's a lot of blood and a lot of, and I'm not speaking from personal experience, I'm just speaking from the way that my wife has described things in great detail. There's a lot of pain and a lot of blood and a lot of uncomfortableness and a lot of discharging that's happening from that. And that's not normal because that is a loss of blood and a loss of blood is a loss of life. And who knows what childbirth would be like before the fall? Okay, we know that your pain will be increased as a result of the fall. And so what makes this unclean is that for the first few days when a woman has given birth, the discharge is red, and then it turns brown, and it becomes paler until it becomes clear, until it completely stops. And so that discharge is what makes her unclean because the loss of blood is a loss of life, and losing life is not God's original intention. And... We do know that there are diseases that can be in blood, and we know that if you do not clean yourself properly after that time and during that time period, there can be a lot of infections, which can lead to a lot of death and other problems, which will make you unclean because infections and death is not a part of God's original plan. Does that make sense? So God is not saying, women who give birth, you're sinners, and now you're unclean. He's saying that that blood issue is not normal. That's not good. 
The baby was great. It's an incredible blessing of God. But what's coming afterwards is not good. That's not normal. It's not healthy. It's not the way that you're supposed to function. Now, it will pass if you're healthy. Eventually, the body will heal. But the body should have never had to heal in a good, perfect world. And therefore, during that time period, now you also have to remember we're talking about a day and age where people did not take baths on a daily basis, let alone a weekly or weekly basis. And they live in a desert, dirty culture. They have no concept of bacteria. They have no concept of hygiene, all that kind of stuff. So the command to wash yourself on a daily basis for seven days is a very important command. And it protects the entire community from infection and from death. And so this woman now has to cleanse herself for seven days. If she's had a boy, and 14 days if she's had a girl. Some people have immediately said, that's sexist. You mean she's really unclean, even more unclean after a girl? We don't know why God commanded that. Okay? However, a doctor by the name of D.I. Matchett has made a doctor, not a scholar, not a theologian, a doctor, has made a strong argument that the discharge after female pregnancy or births actually lasts longer than male ones. And that being a doctor and doing this for a living and giving birth, or not giving birth, but delivering babies for a very long time, he has an expertise there. It's not so much longer that it's doubled. Like, what, the one problem with his view is that it is longer, but it's not so much longer that you're going to notice a huge difference that we have to double that number from 7 to 14. However, many scholars have come in and said that perhaps that it's doubled only to keep the multiple of 7. And so, yes, a baby girl does produce a longer discharge than a male baby, but not long enough to warrant 14 days, but because the multiple of seven is so huge in the Bible as completion that God keeps it at a multiple of seven, which means it has to be doubled. And he's not saying that the female child makes you more unclean, because remember this has nothing to do with sin to begin with, but that he is making the point that it is longer than the boy, and I like sevens, and we're going to keep it that way. Because sevens are going to carry throughout the Bible to communicate a theological point all throughout the Bible. And so for the sake of theology, it gets double. Is that the answer? I have no idea. Is that the best answer anybody's ever given? Yes, <laughs> at this point. Right? But obviously, if you read the whole law, you know that God is not treating women inferior. He's not saying anything about them. She is to clean herself for seven days. This means washing herself on a daily basis. This is huge. Remember, we live in a culture where water only comes for a few months out of the year, especially even less water while they're out in the wilderness, and that's all they have for the entire year. This is one of the reasons why they don't bathe. And when everybody stinks together, you get used to it and it doesn't matter. So some of us have grandparents or parents that grew up in the farm and we know that they didn't bathe very much. And you don't really notice it that much. You just get used to it when everybody is smelling like that. But to take water like that on a daily basis for 7, 14 days, that's, that's, that's valuable resources. Very, we would not think, we don't think anything that we just let the shower run. But for them, that would be huge. So this is a sacrifice. 
So this is teaching them that even something that is so much a gift of God, one of the greatest blessings that God could ever give you other than your own salvation, even that has been tainted by sin. And even sin has caused the birth of children to function in a non-normal, good, clean way. And just like God is communicating that the blessing of children was supposed to be totally good, but now because of your sin, life is going to come into the world with pain. Now he's also teaching you that even the blessing of children can make you unclean. Not because you sin and not because it's bad, but because sin has touched everything. And that's what he's trying to communicate here is that you're not allowed in the tabernacle because this would make the entire community contagious or um, at risk. And that everything has been touched by the fall of sin. And nothing is functioning normally like it should. And these are powerful lessons that he's going to go through every area of life and say even the greatest blessings of God still are not normal because sin has touched everything. Until Jesus comes along and he becomes the only normal, good, clean being the universe has ever seen. Does this make sense? Any questions? And the benefit of going through this is to help remind us of how much we are still in that certain state. Even with Christ in us and even saved, sin is touching everything in our life. This is the point of Calvin. See, the early philosophers, Plato and Socrates and all that kind of stuff, they they called nature for them was the mind, the reason, the intellect. And the Greeks lifted reason and intellect up as the highest virtue. They even developed these things called the mystery religions where they worshiped knowledge and knowledge would save you and knowledge made you a god. And if you could learn to think logically, you would be perfect and you would overcome anything. And so they developed this idea that the world is a shadow of the real spiritual realm. But the one thing that is perfect, the one thing that still functions right is the mind and reason. That's why Calvin came along and developed the concept of total depravity. He was not saying that there's nothing good in you, which a lot of modern-day Calvinists go that way. He was saying that every part of you is depraved. Every part of you is touched by sin. And every part of you needs to be redeemed by God. Mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, socially. And that's what God is trying to communicate here. That every part of you has been touched by sin. Whether you sinned or not, Everything has been touched by sin. And everything is broken. Like the Jimi Hendrix song. And we are too quickly in a society where we rationalize a lot of things in America. And I can't speak for every culture, but I do know in America there's a lot of things that the Christian church has ignorantly not realized how much is touched by sin. And I think we've held too many things up as good. And even when Christ, who was good, and the man came to him and said, good teacher, he said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. 
And Christ wasn't saying he wasn't good. He was just trying to get the man to realize what he was truly saying. If you call me good, do you realize that only God is good? Therefore, if you call me good, then you're claiming that I am God. I'm not saying I'm not. I'm just saying, do you realize what you're saying? And too often in America, I think we need to hear that. Why do you call that good? Why do you call that good? Because that's been touched by sin too. And I don't mean that it's, there's no good in it at all. None of us, nothing is so broken that it, there's no image of God left in it. But at the same time, it's not good. Nothing is good. And that's why like, my principal buzz will be like, oh, he's a good kid. I mean, in that non-theological sense. <laughs> okay. He's the closest you're going to get to good with a kid at that age in this world. And we need to realize that because I think we call too many things good. And so if there's anything that you do when you go home, give you homework last week, go home and pray to God and ask God to help you really see what has been touched by sin and how. Not to depress yourself, but to better protect yourself, to better become from becoming unclean, to better get closer to good as you possibly can. And I can't answer that question in every area because that's a huge question in a big world. And we all have different circles of influence in life. And just start with your immediate stuff. What is it that I have called good that really has been touched by sin and I've become ignorant of that and it's affecting me as a result and my relationship with God? Because that's what God is trying to teach here. He's not saying you're bad for having kids. He's saying... His, even the most blessings of God has still been touched by sin because we live in a broken world. And that should make you want Jesus all the more. The only thing that is good.